Isn't that good? Did you like that? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Incredibly, that song, it's called Life Uncommon. It's written by and sung by Jill. I think that talks a lot about the life that we are called to live, that Jesus wants us to live, that Jesus has empowered us to live, and it's a life uncommon. And in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says that he is a rewarder of, uh, uh, he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, the important question is that I want to talk about for a little bit this morning, how does Jesus reward us? And one of the reasons that, one of the things that many of us have come to understand as we've journeyed with the Lord for a few years, that it's not through just raining down or showering down instant blessings upon us. And if we go through the rest of Hebrews 11, which is an amazing chapter to read, we find that the reward that God is referring to in the context of Hebrews 11 begins to unfold. So we read about Noah, and he's saved from judgment, and he begins a whole new way of life. We read about Abraham, who is granted an inheritance that will go right down through the family line and eventually be fulfilled in Christ, which we are all participators of. Um, Sarah is released from being barren. And Moses is rescued as a child and is raised up to bring a whole nation to freedom. And we could carry on. We could pick up the story of Daniel and and on and on it goes. But the first point I want us to grasp here is that God rewards faithfulness and obedience. So there is the first point. What is Jesus looking for in our life? Faithfulness and and obedience, to respond to his call on our life. But the question then becomes how? Because in Luke 18, 29 to 30, it says, And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this time. Then he goes on to say, and in the age to come, eternal life. So Jesus promises whatever sacrifices we make for his kingdom, for his calling on our life, he promises us that we will be rewarded many times over in this life as well as in the life of the age to come. So what is that going to look like? Well, firstly, the rewards are eternal, as we've already talked about. But what Jesus promises us, and we're using the wonderful term here, is a life with purpose. In the context of the song, it's a life uncommon. Same thing. Jesus promises us that if we push into him and lay hold of everything that he has for us, what we are going to receive is a life uncommon uncommon to anybody else. And if we go back to the heroes of the faith that we just read out of Hebrews 11, every one of them had a very uncommon life in the context of the world they were living in, of the people around them, the nations around them. It was an uncommon life. And the verse, the chapter goes on and says, and all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what is promised. We need to hang on to that. 
Because God had provided something better for us. That's you and I. Let's get hold of this. These people made made amazing sacrifices. And they had an amazing life, as far as a life uncommon goes, a life with purpose. But what we need to get hold of, we really need to get this. The best of their rewards goes to us. The best of the payment for their sacrifices on this life, they're rewarded eternally, but the best of it goes to us. It goes on saying, because God had provided something better to us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. So that's a huge concept, which I am not going to unpack this morning. But here is what it is saying, that... Ultimately, what their lives were about was pointing forward to Jesus bringing the ultimate covenant, the ultimate sacrifice, and through the resurrection, the ultimate way of life, which would go to you and me. Isn't that amazing? They were blessed, but ultimately, they were reflecting something that God wanted to do as a result of the death and the resurrection of Christ, then the coming of the Holy Spirit who would dwell within every believer and a life uncommon, a life with purpose that is granted to us. And it's a life that those outside of Christ can know nothing of, but those in Christ should know nothing but. One of the first things that we have to realize is that if we're going to live a life uncommon, it can't be about us. Selfishness, ego, pride, or vanity will trip us up and will get in the way of what God has for us. That's why God's called us to be so diligent at dealing with that stuff. Not because he's a big taskmaster with a big stick and wants to whack us for misbehaving. He's saying, I want to get this out of your life progressively so you can get into the life uncommon, the life of purpose that I have for you and these things are blocking you off and I love you too much to want to sit back and just watch that happen. In Genesis 1, it's 27, it says that we have been created in the image of God. Now, God is divine and we are human. And so that gap can't be bridged through our own humanity, through our own strength. It can't be bridged through any other religion or any other way of life. The only way it can be bridged is that we have to go through the Father, through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way that it can be bridged. And we can only gain the image of God by clinging to that which we are not, which is the divine being of Jesus Christ. So he alone is the perfect image or the express image of God. And unless we love him, unless we embrace him, unless we receive his Holy Spirit and constantly cry out for us to make him, make us like him, we are going to be disillusioned with our life. And sadly, many Christians live in this place today. See, a life uncommon can only be found in Christ, but it's more than just saying, well, I'm a believer now. 
It's the fact in which is what John 15 is all about. We have to draw that essence of life every day out of as branches plugged into the tree out of Jesus who is the tree or it's better expressed as the vine. Otherwise, we're just going to be dry. So we've got to constantly refresh ourselves and replenish ourselves and him to have his light shine through us. So the wonderful things he did for you as you met with him yesterday are not enough for today. Because the Holy Spirit is fresh and alive and creative and he's looking for new fruit and for new life to flow through us every single day, but it is relative to how much we have plugged our lives into him and are drawing our essence and energy, and we are worshipping him and praising him and pushing into his word and into prayer and all of those things. And they're all God-given. They're not disciplines one, two, three, four, and five that Christians must do or they get beaten up. They are a way of life God's called us to so we can have a life uncommon and so we can go out and change the world. Psalm 97. Love this psalm. Just going to read six verses. The Lord reigns. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let the earth rejoice. I hope you're rejoicing that the Lord reigns. Let the multitude of isles and coastlands be glad. Clouds and darkness are around about him. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Isn't it amazing that you can go to God and instead of being manipulated or mistreated, righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. So whenever we go before him, that's what we encounter. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries round about. His lightings illumine the world. The earth sees and trembles. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. I love that. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Brothers and sisters, that was written two, 3,000 years ago. That still applies today. Jesus hasn't taken a holiday from that role. God's kingly reign involves supreme power, rightful authority, and the complete exercise of his power and his authority and the rule over this earth today. Actually, this is a true meaning of awesome. I don't, I don't have a problem with this, so you don't have to change your language. But when we grabbed the word awesome and we had a look at a car and said, man, that's awesome, or what was the movies like last night, awesome, we lost one of the last words that was held exclusively to describe God. So we really don't have a word in the English language now that is specifically used to describe God. So I was a little upset when we took the word awesome. Um, maybe there's some other words in English that I don't know yet, and so you can help me with that. But Because, you see, we need something to describe God in a way that nothing on this earth can be compared to him because that's who he is. My friend Dudley Hall often makes an amazing statement. When I stand before God at the end of my life 
if he's not as big as I thought he was, I will repent. Now, he's been funny because we know that finally when we stand before him, we're going to go, oh, wow. If I had, let me do my life again. If I had a known that that's who you and that's how and that, you know, all the angels around about the throne worshiping him, his power, his glory flowing everywhere. Imagine it. By the way, we've got a, we, we can grab a whole big piece of that action today, even this morning and our worship and our praise. But see, that is the whole thing. So we've lost the word awesome. Um, That's okay. Can't do much about that now. But we need to continually have that sort of concept of God in our minds and everything that we are doing. And it's still not enough. It still doesn't describe who he really is. See, one of the mindsets we've got to shake off to get where we want to go, brothers and sisters, and we want to go somewhere, amen? We as Lane Park Church, we want to go somewhere. We want to do some of the things that God's called us to do and see some of the things happen that God's promised us. We want to see this beautiful property and everything it is buzzing with the life of Christ just pouring out of it in every way. Amen? Are you guys, is that what we're all looking for? Amen. That's what we're signed up for. Well, if we're going to go there, one of the things we're going to have to get rid of is this you owe me mindset that is so damaging to Christianity as we constantly come before God with a shopping list and then have a big salt because he doesn't fill it. It's not that he isn't a loving father, but God's foremost desire, and I know we know this here, but we need to know it here. God's foremost desire is that his name, not ours, is glorified. That's what drives the universe, and that's why everything, including you and I, exists. However, what God does deeply desire to do for us is to restore us from our broken image to be a wonderful reflection of his glory in the person of a human being. So if you haven't embraced and don't embrace every day as one of the main concepts of your life, the principles of transformation being trained from from one degree of glory to another, you are missing out the main purpose of what God is trying to do in your life. And mine. Every day he has us in the process of transformation. We have to cooperate with him to make us more like Christ every day. And that qualifies us and equips us to be more like him and more suited to live a life uncommon or a life with purpose because so much of it becomes produced within us by the Holy Spirit and we just have to release him and let him out as we walk with him, cooperate with him and look for opportunities to express him in every aspect of our life. See, this might be bad news for you, I don't know. But... The English Standard Version, which is one version I love, has 112 references in the New Testament to the word, with the words blessed, blessing, or bless. Not one of them is connected to material prosperity. 112 verses in the New Testament that have either the word blessed, 
blessed or blessing in it. Not one of them is connected to material prosperity. That's got to that's say something to us, surely. Surely it does. See, according to the key word study Bible, the Greek word, and here I go, I can't pronounce Greek, makerio, means to be fully satisfied. Now, here's what we've got to grasp. It means to be fully satisfied in Christ, regardless of the circumstances we are currently in. That's what blessing means. Have you been blessed by God? Yes, because I was going through a terrible time and there seemed no way out of it, but I was still aware of the blessing, and still aware of the presence of God. There's the blessing right there. People have been languishing in prison, tortured for their faith and saying, I am aware of one thing only and that is the blessing of God. Amazing. Amazing, absolutely amazing. So it means whatever circumstances we're going through, whatever difficulties, challenges and trials we're going through, and I know that life is not based just on those things, but it's certainly a good portion of it. Whatever it is, we are blessed when we can say, despite all these circumstances, I am aware of God's presence in my life, and even though there be no fruit on the vine, I am going to cling to him because I have no hope anywhere else, and I have burnt all the bridges behind me, so I can't go back anyway. Not that I would want to. See, If Jesus tells us that what he brings to earth is something far greater than just earthly blessings, we can't then expect his rewards for our life to be in the context of that. Now, if you've been blessed financially, and if you've been blessed materially, and if we pick up our lives in New Zealand and compare it to the rest of the world, all of us are right up in probably the top 5 or 7 or 10%. If you have, you can thank God for that, and you can enjoy those things we're allowed to. But they have nothing to do with the essence of life in the kingdom of God, and the quicker we understand that, the quicker we'll start to say, well, where is there then a life uncommon that I can can lay hold of. This might be bad news, I've said it before, but some of your neighbours are doing better than you financially. Some of them have got a better home and a better car and more money in the bank and they don't even know Jesus, so that can't be indicative of his blessing on your life. If we come to him on his terms... God promises us a life that will mean something and count for something for many generations to come. Isn't that amazing? You can leave this planet and the work you did in Jesus' name continues to produce life long after you have gone. God promises at least for three generations after. At least three. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. See, here's what we're after. There's a wonderful word in the scriptures. It's called shalom. We translate it peace. The English language doesn't do it justice. It means peace, completeness, and welfare, not social welfare, but well-fearing in Christ. The use of shalom in scriptures always points towards the fact that the transit 
transcendent action of God, which has mean God's pushing his presence down to us, brings wholeness to the individual, wholeness in relationships, wholeness in family, wholeness in church community, wholeness in society, and, and it goes right out into the whole world. See, it's when things are the way they ought to be. And we have been empowered to bring that, firstly, right here in this community, but secondly, outside in the world and everything that's going on in there. It's when all things are in harmony with God's holiness. Now, I want to ask you a question. I know we're all in the process of transformation, but as far as it concerns you today, are you in harmony with God's holiness? Are you in harmony with what God's endeavored to bring to your life? Are you in harmony with dealing some of the st- with some of the stuff that the Holy Spirit has called you to cast aside because they're trapping you and keeping you away from him? When God created the earth and said it was good, shalom reigned everywhere. This got shattered at the fall and there was no way back. So one of the reasons God said to Abraham and Noah and Sarah and some of the people that we've talked about in Hebrews 11, you can't get shalom back until I come upon this earth, break down and take in victory all of the things that have robbed it from this earth and begin to build it again through Jesus Christ and then through his people, which is you and I empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8 is a whole chapter about us bringing shalom back onto this earth. Firstly, through our own lives, and then out wider it goes. See, when we as humans turn away from God, everything falls apart. And we know that. All of us have either had broken lives or been involved in helping people who have broken lives. This is what Solomon was on about in the book of Ecclesiastes, by the way. And if you've read that book, and I hope you all have, it's easy to get bewildered because Solomon is saying, I have had everything, and it's all futile. There is nothing good under the sun. Now, here's an interesting thing about Solomon's material blessings. He only enjoyed them when he was in right relationship with God. Here's something, guys. Whatever great material blessings you've had, you will never get the most out of them until you are in right relationship with God. That's what Solomon discovered. If you're in a little bit of a mystery with Solomon's book, let me just say this. Everything he is saying is stopping short of bringing the relationship and power of God into everything he's had. He's evaluating the world from a natural perspective and saying, I have tried everything, and if we read his life, he has. And none of it works. None of it works. They still can't estimate how much money Solomon had, but it's more than what Bill Gates has got. He says, it doesn't work. It doesn't bring me anything. I'm still frustrated. I'm still disappointed. The pleasures of the flesh, whether it's material possessions, a good education, lots of money, a good job, all of those things in themselves will not solve the problem and will not bring us a life uncommon where we're living with God's purpose and God's design and expressing that and then getting the joy of doing that. 
See, Solomon said there was nothing under the sun that can bring fulfillment. He was right. We have to look beyond the sun. It's S-U-N. We've got to look to the sun who's Jesus. Then it can start. So it's into the scene that Jesus arrives. And he proclaims two things. Number one, we have now have, for the first time ever, an ability to know God as Father. First time in history, he says, you can now call God Abba, Father. And the second thing he brought us was the ability to live life to the fullness by being connected to our destiny and purpose, which he created for us before we even arrived on this earth. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that. So he goes and he meets the woman at the well well, in John 4. And he says this, Jesus answered and said to her, everybody who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. There it is right there, brothers and sisters. What we get from Jesus begins a well inside of us and it springs up and springs out of us to eternal life. And Jesus is saying nothing else is as good as that. If you've missed it, you're robbing yourself. (laughs) Amen. See, it's a funny thing. Jesus says to this woman at the well, I am going to give you a drink so you will never thirst again. And she looks at him and says, you don't have a bucket. And see, here's the problem. We often, Jesus makes these promises and we say, yeah, but you can't deal with my situation. It's very specific and very unique. And Jesus said, I don't need a bucket. My presence, my Holy Spirit will come and bring life right into the depths of any darkness that you are in. And a couple of weeks ago, I was riding along with Jesse this amazing roller coaster and it was the best roller coaster ride I've ever had in my life. And I've had a few of them. But here's what makes it better. I rode a few without Jesus before I was a believer. It is much better when you know him. It really is. And you feel a little bit safer. And you don't have to hit a low point when you get off it and have to walk along the ground because we can find more excitement there because God places us amongst people and situations where his power can manifest through us and we can touch and change lives. And it doesn't get any better than that. I used to, I I made this commitment to God and I'm finishing, uh, guys. I made this commitment to God, you know, and part of me, I wished I'd never, it was so many years ago when I started traveling. Some of you have heard this before, but I said, Jesus, wherever I am, whenever somebody tells me they're sick, they're hurting, they're in pain or discomfort, I'm available to pray for them. But I never knew he'd take that seriously. I never, you know, it it was a good thing to do, very spiritual, I was in so many, I have been in so many situations and I thought, but my gosh, this is in front of all of these people and they're all non-believers and somebody's sick or somebody says to me, man, I've got a sore back and I think, oh no. But I had backed myself into a corner so I started praying for these people. I have got so excited about what God has done through 20, 25 years of doing that, that I'm sitting on planes and in airports thinking, come on, where is somebody? Where is somebody? Let me go, let me go. 
Linda and I got on a plane and this woman was terrified about flying and having a panic attack. They're loading her in a plane. She's got people all around. I just say to Linda, I've got to get up and pray for this woman. So I jump up in the middle of the plane and said, would you like me to pray for her? Well, of course she said, yes, she would have taken anything or I don't know what I was offered. So we were able to pray for her. And when we got off the plane, Linda had an amazing time of being able to share and witness to her. It's fantastic, guys. It's better than rolling the, riding the roller coaster. And I'm not saying all of you have to go out there and be praying for people and doing that because we have to understand who we are and what God's called us to. But what I'm saying is every one of you has a calling in God to live a life uncommon and a life with purpose, and it's here available for you right now. Right now. How do we live a life of purpose, a life uncommon? By finding our divine, divine, divine design in Christ and taking it from a biblical community out into the world. There is no other way. And we have the joy of that. God could do it all himself, but he has restricted, us, restricted himself to do it through us and we get the joy of it. We're going to play the song again and I'd like the leaders to come up. They're going to be available to pray for you. And I, I want to ask you to come forward for two things. Firstly, back in the lines of the song, if you have been giving your strength to that which you should be free from or want to be free from, you come down the front. You know, it can be anything. You might have been spending too much time at work rather than home. You might have been finding that some of the things that you've set before the Lord have been eroded and fallen away. You might be finding you're getting trapped into TV and computers and stuff that you shouldn't be looking at, shouldn't be watching, whatever. If you find that you are giving your strength to the things that you should be free from, you come down the front and leaders, there'll be leaders available here to pray for you. Second point, if you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, if you have never been prayed for specifically for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, nothing will lead you more into a most wonderful, exciting life uncommon than that gift. To me, it's not an optional extra, and it's never intended to be. So I want to encourage you. We're going to put that song on again and play it. And if, if the Holy Spirit's really speaking to you, we have leaders here today who would be delighted to pray for you. And finally, of course, if you've never made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are letting your life uncommon go by every day. You come down here and there'll be people who'll be delighted to share with you about the hope that we have and we carry in our hearts in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.